Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. My name is Natalie Tronson. I am an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Michigan. My research focuses on how the brain stores memory and how other events like illnesses or stress can change how these memory functions work. Um, and we're particularly interested in um, some of these long-term consequences of stress or illness as well, how they persistently change memory across the lifespan. Right now, we don't know a lot about the long-term consequences of COVID-19. It's a new disease, we're in the middle of this pandemic, but we are seeing reports of both neurological symptoms while people are sick and afterwards, which makes us think that there is an effect on the brain. And we also know that serious illnesses, other serious illnesses, ICU stays, ventilation, are commonly associated with confusion and memory lapses both during the illness and also then cognitive decline later. So because we have these information from other illnesses and in um, some of our laboratory research on, the, on these illnesses and inflammation, we are concerned and thinking about how COVID-19 might be doing something similar. So right now, our research is at the point of questions, like what, how, how is COVID-19 going to be similar to some of the other diseases we know about, like sepsis, and how is it going to be different? And, and we don't know the answers to those yet. My laboratory has been studying how the immune system interacts with memory processes in general. And in doing that work, we um, stumbled across um, and, and have been following up on long lasting effects of immune activation. So we, we, um, after an illness, what happens months later? And again, it's, it's a, suddenly we're in the middle of this pandemic with this very serious illness and wondering from both an individual standpoint and for a public health standpoint how is this going to affect long in the longer term emergence of Alzheimer's disease or other dementias um, as the population that have gotten sick with COVID continues to age. We use the approach of um, we use animal models to study this we use mice and we are looking specifically at some of the inflammation as a consequence of the disorder. So we can think about the illness in terms of both the infection, the virus infecting cells and making people sick. We can think about what is the immune system doing um, to try and combat that. And one of the things that is emerging from, um, from all of the COVID infections and work on this is that one of the problems with COVID-19 is the massive inflammatory immune response that happens there. So we're taking the approach of looking at what is this inflammatory response, how is that affecting the brain, and how is that affecting memory and memory processes in the long term. And we're using a mouse model to look at that. One of the things that's important to know is that the brain has its own specialized immune system and immune cells in there. And in the brain, these immune cells play a role, not just during sickness, but during normal function. So these immune cells talk to other brain cells, talk to neurons, and are really important for memory formation, for the changes in neurons that happen in order to allow memories to be stored. So during sickness and during inflammation, um, you get changes in how those cells function. So now, instead of just 
releasing a little tiny bit of signal, they're dumping a lot of this inflammatory signal in there. And that's going to change how those neurons function and whether or not they can change in the normal way that's required to store memories. Um, and so what we think is happening during all severe illnesses, um, including um, COVID-19, um, we think that the illness itself and the activation of the brain's immune system is disrupting this normal function. Um, and for the long-term effects, both the brain and the immune system have evolved to be plastic, to be able to change with experience and change how they function as a consequence of experience. So one of the things we don't know yet, but we are working on, is understanding how the um, brain's immune systems, the brain's specialized immune cells are changing with the experience of an illness and how that affects then how neurons function later on. One of the obvious ways to study how um, a virus like the SARS-CoV-2 virus um, works is to infect cells with the virus itself in the lab. So infect animals, infect cells, look at people who have the infection and to see whether that virus is infecting those cells brain cells, whether the, those are the uh, brain's immune cells or neurons themselves. So that would be looking at the infection on its own. But we can also look at what happens if the animal doesn't have an infection, but we can trigger an inflammation response like what the body would normally do in response to an infection. And we can do this in a couple of ways. We can, we can inject something that is a part of the virus that the immune system responds to, but isn't infectious, it doesn't, doesn't invade cells in the same way that the virus does, but it does trigger the immune system response. So that way we can look at both parts. We can look at the infection part and we can look at the infl inflammation part separately. And then we can compare them. Do we see the same kinds of changes in memory and changes in cognition um, in animals or people that have had the infection as we do with just the inflammation part? What is the inflammation doing? What is the infection doing? Put them together and separate them by looking at both sides. The immune system and the brain communicate with each other. I think this is really important. We often think about the brain as being from the neck out, controlling thoughts and movements and this kind of thing, and the immune system being from like the neck down and it's about infection and illness and, and all of this. But think about how you feel and how your behavior changes when you are sick, right? You're tired, you're achy, uh, you don't want to go into, out and socialize. You often don't want to think about things. It's hard to concentrate. The reason for all of those symptoms of sickness are actually at the immune system communicating with the brain and the brain triggering a sequence of behaviors and uh, that that um, makes you stay home and rest, essentially. Um, the tiredness is part of this as well. Um, we think that this is important because if you're staying home and resting, then the immune system and the rest of the body can go ahead and do its job. It's a very energy um, demanding response. Um, and so if you have to, if you feel like staying home and resting and not going out and doing things and socializing, then you're going to have a better immune response. Uh, you're also going to infect your people. So there's this communication between the body and the brain. And this is really important and we don't want to disrupt that at all. The problem is then during very severe illnesses or long-lasting illnesses, the immune system doesn't care about what damage it's doing to the brain during a severe illness. It just wants to get rid of the virus. And so even if it's a normal immune response, there still might be long-lasting consequences. And how do we treat the problems without 
affecting the these initial responses. Animal research is so important. Um, even when we can't mimic or model the disease precisely, um, what we can look at is parts of that. So one of the things that animal models are really useful for is looking at what does one little part of this part of an individual's life history or genetic makeup, how does that contribute to something that happens later in this case or changes in memory or the infection itself. So by using animal models, we can break down a large disease into smaller parts. Um, and this is one way that we can separate the, the question about the viral infection from, from infl the inflammation part response to the infection is by in an animal model, we can do that in humans, that would be difficult and problematic and ethically fraught. Um, so what this allows us to do is to look at a variety of cellular and molecular changes that are happening. It allows us to identify uh, new therapeutic targets for treatments. And we can do this at a much shorter timeline than would ever be possible in humans as well. We also have one of the um, wonderful things about humans is that we're also different. And in animal models, we can limit some of those life history differences um, in order to point at precisely what's happening. So in, in, in people, maybe it's COVID-19 COVID infection that's, that's going to increase risk for dementia later on but maybe it's a chronic stressor that they had sometime during their life. We don't know that, but in animal models, we can control for different experiences that the individuals have in order to be pinpoint exactly what's causing um, later memory decline. I hope that on the clinical human research side, there'll be long-term follow-up studies of individuals that have recovered from COVID-19 um, and individuals that had COVID-19 at different ages as well. I think that's going to be really interesting and important. Um, and then being able to assess um, those recovered individuals, their life, their, their health trajectory across the lifespan. But none of this can happen until after we have a handle on the pandemic, right? So of first, we need effective treatments. We need a vaccine. We need to um, flat, flatten the curve. Um, but, but afterwards, we'll need to shift our attention to what happens in those individuals. And then we also, because we also have these other tools, cellular models and animal models, we can start to look at the different patterns of different emerging diseases after this as well, or, or cognitive problems or post-viral syndromes as well. We often think about serious illnesses and including COVID-19 as dangerous during the sickness itself. Um, and, and then we think once someone's recovered, they're fine. Um, and this is often true and we hope it's usually true, um, but more and more we're learning about a variety of different post-viral or post-illness syndromes, including Guillain-Barre syndrome or um, chronic fatigue syndrome and also cognitive decline. So being aware that all of these are real and disruptive and long-lasting consequences for some people is really important for the ability to for patients to get effective interventions as early as possible, to be taken seriously. Um, but it's also important for stimulating and supporting research on these long-lasting consequences as well. So as we should be right now, we're focused on treatment and prevention for COVID-19. Um, but as we move forward, because so many people worldwide are affected by COVID-19, we also need to start understanding um, and preparing for a long-lasting fallout um, at both an individual level and a, and a societal public health level as well.
I think uh, the main takeaway, other than that the brain is important, um, is that when we're thinking about a, a disease, we need to be thinking about long-term consequences as well as short-term consequences. And we need to think about the diseases and for COVID-19 specifically, not just as a respiratory um, illness, but something that affects multiple organs in the body in a multiple different ways. The one thing I want to add is that uh, I know this sounds scary, um, but I think it's also important to think about um, increasing risk doesn't mean that COVID-19 is going to mean somebody also gets dementia in the long term. There's a lot of other risk factors, but also resilience factors that go into um, cognitive decline um, and dementia and people's individual risks. And those can include things like sleep and exercise and good diet. And none of those things are going to necessarily prevent a disease, but they're going to change those risk factors. So it's scary, but it's something that we can think of in terms of mitigation of risk as well in the future. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.